0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, it's Adam. Live and in person for you. Hey, everybody, it's Adam. Wonder who he'll interview. Hey, everyone, it's Call Me Adam. And I'd like to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to my show. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Patreon family for supporting this podcast on a deeper level. If you want to support this podcast even more, become a member of my Patreon family where you can get a variety of backstage perks. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc for more information. Now, on today's episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam, I am chatting with director-producer Quentin Lee, We are going to be talking about staying creative and making new content during the global pandemic, his upcoming documentary, Searching for Anime Wong, as well as Asian and gay Asian representation in Hollywood. Plus, so much more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Quentin Lee. Hey, Quentin. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. I'm in L.A. right now. It's uh, still warm. Thank God. Uh, In the
0: 80s. Oh, you're so lucky. It is so cold here, which is why I'm conducting this interview in my sweatshirt. I'm very jealous right now. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you.
1: I'm excited to talk to you too.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, let's get started because we have so much to talk about. Um, One thing that I am just so inspired by you is how much content you have created during this time of the global pandemic. you you have so many projects you have a documentary coming up about called searching for anime wong you have a new series um called boy luck club and you also have a um a horror film commissary yeah it's a
1: it's a sci-fi comedy actually
0: sci-fi comedy yes 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 sorry it's getting my it's a little bit scary
1: scary. i don't think it's scary but it's kind of like wall of the worlds but it's more more of like a sci-fi comedy.
0: I love that. So, how did you, you know, where some people during this time have have not been as as creative? Uh, how did you find the, you know, the the drive to create all of this
1: content? So, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I reconnected with an old professor from Yale, and we we're actually working on a TV series together. And she sent me this article about Newton, how Newton. Uh, didn't stop working, even though he was sent home during the pandemic when he was going to school. Mm -hmm. And he discovers his most important theories around then. So I was very inspired by this article. I think it's on Washington Post, if you want to check it out. And so I thought, okay, well, you know what, let's not stop creating. And I just remember, literally, like, right before California lockdown, Canada was locking down. Mm -hmm. And I was on the phone with a television executive in Canada saying that you know what, I would love to meet you guys, but unfortunately we don't know what's going on. And we were pitching her basically a, a TV series called Son of Smiley. Um, and, and she said, you know, we love we love this concept, we love this idea, but we don't know when we can green light things. Mm-hmm. So that's beginning, I think that's like beginning of March or middle of March or something like that. Then I told my co-creator, comedian friend, um, Ed Hill, I said, hey, you know what, Don't let's not stop working let's keep writing because we have this momentum right now. So we kept writing and we, we, we started reaching out to actors and agents and talents. And then we wrote about half the series, we wrote four episodes. And then um, we basically kept developing, developing this thing until uh, September when it opened up again, uh, we were greenlit for the broadcast license. So,
0: Oh wow. So that's really
1: coming up. So, so, so basically, you know what? I know that, you know, I kind of started with Co-Misery co- because I know that a lot of actors are, a lot of my friends are not working. So it's really a really good time to get them to do something. Yeah, Especially if you just do it on Zoom or something. And that's exactly what we did. We created Co-Misery completely on Zoom. We shot for eight weeks, I think, eight weeks. And we shot for like um, uh, two days per week. We're one, actually one day of rehearsal, one day of um, shooting uh-huh. and we shot out this feature and I just got addicted to it. You know, that's so much fun shooting on Zoom and um so i started i started doing boy luck club the series Mm -hmm. um which we're shooting right now we shot about half the series right now and and it's a much more ambitious shoot because we're shooting about literally like a half hour comedy episode per 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 week wow and then i basically had to edit everything together so it's, it's it's a really kind of fun kind of like thing and but it's a lot of work and then at the same time you know there's this documentary called searching for anime wong that I started in 2017 with a filmmaker friend called C. Eric Yang. Mm-hmm. And so basically, it started off basically about a documentary about, you know, Asian American actors in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he said, Quentin, I want to interview these people. Can you help me out? So I hooked him out with most of my friends from Sandra Oh to um, Tai Ma to James Hong to like a lot of actors. And we shot 20 actors, about 40 hours of footage. And then he said, "Quinn, I do not know what to do with it. I said, what? You started this project, <laughs> not me. So I was kind of in limbo for a couple of years until uh, sometime last last year, I think, I I, lo- I looked for another editor to come on board and basically just handed me to drive. He never cut anything. Uh-huh. So I, another editor came on board. He was working on it, but he didn't get anywhere with it. So finally this year, I enlisted my friend, uh, Denise Chan, and she's been uh, basically a veteran editor and she basically finished this project together. So I figured, you know what, it's a good time to just to get it out because, you know, it's been three years and even one of the friends that I, Elizabeth son that I started on the project with and she passed away, I think 2018 oh. and 2019. So it's oh. a really good project to, to kind of like, um, uh, memorialize, um, oh. my friend and also oh. to look forward to, um, you know, something forward looking. Cause I think that it's, a uh, it's a great because I think like during the pandemic there were so many. It's been so challenging for Asian Americans in general, whether it's mm-hmm. from the political pu- political point of view where people are being beaten up or a racial violence all over all over the world. Yes, because mm-hmm. because people thought it was uh, you know a virus from China. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. and so I think that's a really good time for me that it really like inspires me to get Asian American works out.
0: Mhm. Yes. No, I think it's great to have a lot more Asian um projects out there because there needs to be more representation. And I think um especially with the Anime Wong project, I think there's a lot of um excitement around her, especially with uh, Hollywood that Ryan Murphy produced. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm certainly very intrigued by your documentary. So, do you have a release date yet for it?
1: Yes, actually we're going we're theoretically uh, releasing it theatrically on November 2nd, no, November 20th at the Lemley NoHo Theater in Los Angeles. And it will run It'll run in the theaters from November 2nd to the 26th. And then on 27th, we're releasing it on asianamericanmovies.com for SVOD, and then also TVOD on Amazon Prime, on Amazon uh, Instant Video. Oh, so terrific. you can rent it on Amazon. Um, you can rent or buy the movie on Amazon starting the 27th of November, and then you can also watch it through uh, AsianAmericanMovies.com.
0: Oh, terrific. Terrific. And then,
1: yeah, so we don't, but right now we don't really know what's going on because the theaters have not opened. Right. Yet. So if on, if on the 20th, the theaters couldn't be opened, then, then you, then I would bump up the uh, release date on AsianAmericanMovies.com to the 20th. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So you can watch it on the, on the, on the platform uh, starting the 20th.
0: That would be a great way to pivot if movie theaters don't reopen by then. Mm-hmm. Yes. W- what made you specifically interested in Anime Wong?
1: So the documentaries didn't start off about Anime Wong. It was more about Asian American actors, and then but we we sort of interviewed um, the grand niece of Anime Wong because she's part of this uh-huh. kind of like struggle of Asian American in Hollywood. Uh-huh. And then we thought, well, what the question we want to ask is that you know what if anime wong were alive now mm-hmm. would she have done things a lot more differently and then the documentary eventually evolves into uh the perspective from a young struggling actress named natasha tina liu and it's about her interviewing like more established actors and also kind of like thinking about well what anime Wong would have done and also interviewing mm-hmm. anime wong's grandniece just to see like if anime while we're alive now, what would she do? I think she'd be very proactive in creating content for herself. So that becomes an inspiration for the struggling actress to create her, her, her first short film kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And wh- why do you think it's been so difficult for Asians to have the representation um, in, in Hollywood
1: I think it's just racism, you know, it means mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not like, I mean, I think we all face racism, whether, you know, and homophobia per se. And you, you mm-hmm. talk about, well, could there be any gay, like mainstream gay movies getting made right now? Not really. I mean, yeah. there was a time when there was Jeffrey, there was like mm-hmm. that, but but even even for gay films, gay LGBTQ film cinema mostly is being you know, put to these independent kind of thing, even with Moonlight, you know, and it was just an independent film. So again, like it's the same situation that all minorities minorities face in America is that, you know, we're still being pushed to the side in some Mm -hmm. way. And with Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, we definitely, you know, African-Americans have definitely come into more of the forefront of this struggle, but I think we're all kind of on the same boat. And that's Mm -hmm. why I feel like this is a great year to push for Asian American content all LGBTQ content, you know, mm-hmm. all both gay and Asian content. Why not? Yeah, and um, yeah, I think like you, you know, we have got to make these content because otherwise, you can't wait for Hollywood to make them for you.
0: Right, you right. Know? And what has it been like as you've been making these the the documentary and the TV shows and um, also uh, commissary? I mean, what have you what have you sort of learned from those experiences that you feel like? that hollywood could um you know could could learn from what you've been doing
1: I, I think for me it's just like technology has definitely changed the world a lot for example back i would say even t- 10 years ago it would be inconceivable for you to start your own own kind of like SWOT platform like asianamericanmovies.com mm-hmm. where you would not be able to distribute your film in a competent way worldwide to an audience you know Mm -hmm. but now because of technology because of netflix and before and because of all this all the available availability of streaming platforms you can actually distribute a film by yourself and that's Mm -hmm. why that encourages you to make more kind of like you know more kind of edgier content or content that is more personal to you yeah because you could Actually, distribute it. And back ten years ago, you couldn't. Mm-hmm. Even for like independent films or like gay films back in the days, you still have to depend on a distributor to pick up your film, mm-hmm. like a strand or whatever, and put out in theaters and put out on right. video. And that mechanism of delivery, it's very, uh, it's it's not it's very prohibitive for, for independent film filmmakers. But now it's not, you can start your own, kind of like your own Netflix, like I did with Asian mm-hmm. American Movies.com, or you can put the, the films on Amazon Prime or on other platforms like Tubi, mm-hmm. and you can get it out there and be competitive, you know?
0: That's great. I mean, it's great that you're like on the forefront of doing that and that you're, you're helping create work for so many Asian actors and gay, asian actors and actresses and um it's i mean you've been working in this industry for so long Mm -hmm. so um how do you feel um i mean how do you feel there's there have been advances but um
1: so i I guess what's interesting was that when i graduated from college with which was 1992 Uh, back at Berkeley and I was trying to make uh, you know a short film with gay Asian content and Mm. I would not be able to find any actors so I would have to act in the film myself (laughs) and 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 I think the the way that we look at I think definitely there has been progress because again like when I was making my first feature in 1997 you know when I started making films in 1996 um, right when I was still a film student at UCLA, mm-hmm. it's very hard to cast an actor that's willing to be out. Mm. You know? So even with then, you know, my films, I was making some gay Asian, you know, some films with gay Asian, a gay Asian protagonist, <laughs> I would still have to cast a straight actor. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until like when I was making Drift. So, originally, so what happened was that in Shopping for Fangs, I casted John Cho, who was in Searching and to be, And Harold Kuma, and it was his first role ever to be this gay Singaporean uh, guy in my film. Then I offered him like a more kind of like more kind of more gay film, Uh which was called Drift. And then he wasn't comfortable in in being that role, so Mm -hmm. then he passed it on to this other actor named Reggie Lee, who who was in Fast and Furious, and he is out. He wasn't out then, Mm -hmm. but he's willing to play a gay role. Mm -hmm. So as you can see, like just creating just you know, having, writing a role with, you know, who's gay and Asian, it's so hard to find an actor to be part of it, you know, especially someone who, who is straight or who is, you know, not out yet, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was very difficult to even make that kind of content. And then flash forward to, to 2020, um, I just, just so happened that, you know, my friend Kit was on my Facebook and we, I was very interested in his work. So I just asked him, hey, let's have lunch. And then so we started having lunch, maybe in September or something, and then he was out already. So, mm-hmm. and he's and gay. He's a gay out gay actor, and also Asian Asian actor. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then he was. We're talking about yeah. This he said that's like this gay improvisation kind of like group, mm-hmm. a gay Asian improvisation group. I said, like, wow, that's totally new to me. So I thought, well, do you think we can put a show together? Because I always have this idea called Boiler Club, and it's about. Like you know, a bunch of occasion guy, Asian guys, get together every Friday, kind of like boys in a band. They get mm. together every, every Friday night, you know, just before the clubs. But somehow, they would there would be so much drama happening that they never end up going to the clubs. They just <laughs> <end up laughs> hang out <on> by themselves. <laughs> and so, why don't we change this to like a pandemic setting where mm. you guys have to do the Zoom cocktail hour?
0: Mm. And then
1: he said, "Sure, I said, like, that sounds good. Cool. Do you want to co-create this and put this together?" And he said, "Yes." And then we, in two weeks, we got the cast together. And wow. everybody is, I mean, I think like with cast of six and five of them were gay, were real gay Asians. Wow. And one is straight. So he plays a, kind of like the, the straight fat cat character. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> so so I think there is progress after like these, you know, 27 years when I, when I first started making films to now that there are actually out Asian, gay Asian actors yeah. that are willing to do something. Um, so I'm, you know, definitely there's, you know, progress but at the same time i don't think if i if if i were not doing this show i don't think anyone else would but i think right now is really a great time because you know technology is so available and, mm-hmm. and even back then back i would say 20 years ago making a film was a very difficult thing you can't just pick up an iphone and, and do and make a film right but now you can actually just pick up an iphone that is that is, you can shoot 4k images mm-hmm. and make a really decent film out of it you know yes. So I think it's a combination of the technology and also how our cultural values have grown quite a bit. Um, um, that it sort of like makes makes it possible for artists to take more risks. I think. Yes, yes,
0: yes. I agree, and I think it's great that that we have somebody like you who is helping create this content, and you continue to you know help push the boundaries. And um, I mean, in the in the Broadway community, I have a lot of Asian friend actors who, I mean, are, are so thirsty for for a role, and they would love to, like, be in a movie that's all Asian. And um, so I, I, I'm just so happy that you are, you've been creating movies all the time, and you're continuing to pivot in this new, um, in this new normal that we're living in and creating great content.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. I think you I, I, I find it is, it's inspired to be in. I mean, like, again, you all can always look at, oh my God, I'm so not creative. I should not be doing anything during COVID. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I think it's a good time for for um, introverted people or like artists just to kind of like, you know, that's this is a great time where you don't have to worry about getting a day job because the day job may not be available right exactly you well, exactly you might as well do something that you really want to do and you care about
0: let's take a, a quick break um and when we come back uh i do want to just talk about a little bit more about filmmaking and then we'll get into some um other fun questions so don't go anywhere we'll be right back with Quentin lee PriceLine presents go to your happy price what's up it's
1: kaylee cuoco
0: All right, see ya, I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I- I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what, Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy prize. Go to your happy prize, Priceline.
1: Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride, However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. Hey, everyone. My name is Quentin Lee, and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam.
0: And now we're back. Oh, hi. Yeah. How are you? Welcome back. I'm
1: good. Thank you. Hello, New York.
0: I love it. All the way from L.A. So um, one thing I, I do would love to get your perspective on in this like new realm of filmmaking is after the pandemic's over or whatever whatever on the other side of this pandemic, um, how do you think filmmaking will? Do you think a lot of the Zoom recording will continue, or do you think it will just go back to everyone's coming to the studio?
1: I think a, I think for a couple of things, but I think what happens is that. In this pandemic, it has definitely shown us some new ways of working mm-hmm. that is so much more convenient. For example, like I would never go back to auditioning in person. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would because I remember I was auditioning for film, you know, in person with my casting director, and there's this actor who came and he was really sick. Uh-huh. And he mm-hmm. insisted on shaking all hands, and we're like, <laughs> I don't know. I was. I felt bad because I, should I shake his hand? I, I, and I did. I kind of shake his hand. I, like, I didn't I kept my hands just, like, on the side. Mm-hmm. As soon as he left the room, I said, like, okay, i got to run to a restroom because he looked really sick. Yeah. So, uh, so again, like, but now I just think auditioning on Zoom is just really amazing. It's mm-hmm. always, that's the thing to do because I was, when I was casting, we're casting this little boy in uh, Searching for Anime Wong.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And we, we need a little boy to play um, a uh, a, like a, a role in my uh, in my actress my actress's short film. Mm-hmm. So basically, she decided she's going to direct a short film to not to basically give herself a, an opportunity, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it was just such a breeze to do that because you know all the you know the kids just turn on the computer and they were just they were they were so much more comfortable being at home mm-hmm. doing the role. And then it's, um, and I think that it's, it's, it works well with most of the actors too, because you're, you're much, you're in an environment that you know really well. Yes. So you can perform rather than going to, you know, somebody's casting office and, you know, you have to get there on time and mm-hmm. you get yourself ready. It's just such a pain in the ass, but then for, well, casting directors and directors and filmmakers, we can actually see you on camera right away. Mm-hmm. So I just remember, like, you know, in person casting was such a pain in the ass because you show up and then, you know, the talent shows up and then, um, and then you have to rec- and then somebody has to tape and record them mm-hmm. and then you have to go back and review these tapes to see how they look on camera. But on Zoom, I see that right away, right? And 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 it's it's great for the talent to be auditioning on to be auditioned on Zoom, it's great for the directors and, and producers cast on Zoom.
0: Do you find that? And then did you find that the actual filming of the scenes and the making of the shows and movies, um, do you feel like that was more productive in this time than having to go to a location or having to be on set somewhere?
1: Yeah, I, I think, like, if, for example, like, you know, I think I think the the. The genre has, I mean, whatever the, the, like the aesthetics have to work for the film. Mm -hmm. So that's why Mm -hmm. I designed some of the films to be just shot on, on zoom. So it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. the quality. Sometimes it's, you know, it suffers a little bit, but at the same time, it's, that's how it is online.
0: It's Mm -hmm. it's, It's
1: real, right? Um, but I think that, um, yeah, but it's it's just basically, you know, you no longer have to, you, you, you know, shooting on Zoom, you don't really need a DP, you know, your, this, the program, the app itself is mm-hmm. photographing for you. So it gives you a lot more room to just really just work with the actors and to create something. And mm-hmm. if, if that project is, if, if that aesthetics actually work for you, then I think it's a great thing to do. Mm-hmm you know but it's it will never be able to replace you know in-person filming or something like something right like that. but right. at the same time it it does kind of like because of COVID again like I think in some way COVID actually makes us so much more so much more kind of like healthier in some way not mm-hmm. in, the, in the way that you you know we have to we have to work you know we have to wear a mask and we have to you know so I think some of that some of that Way of working would stay behind and be useful. Actually, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, yes, yes, no, I agree. And this could this this way of filming during this time could be a good, like you said, it wouldn't replace it, but it could be a good alternative, or, or you know, an added bonus.
1: Yeah, if, I, if you need I, like I remember growing up as a kid is that when I think I think more like for, for Japan for kids in Japan is that if you are sick mm-hmm. or something like that you would automatically wear a mask to school or to wear a mask to work mm-hmm. so that you wouldn't spread it around, right? Mm-hmm. And again, like, you know, obviously, you know, in Asia, they were able, able to contain it really well. It's because everybody's willing to wear a mask going right. out. And so I think I we should be able to do that here, you know? I mean, it's again like, it's like a strategy. Like if you, if something is going around, then it doesn't hurt to really wear a mask out. right? But, right. Be, but before COVID, there was, up before like, you know, Everybody says it's okay. There's always this stigma about wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. kind of strange, but yeah. really, it's there to protect other people.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, let's mo- let's move into some um, rapid fire questions um, because we've talked a lot about the filmmaking. But I always like to get to know people through rapid fire questions. Sure. So um, the first question is going to be uh, favorite scent or smell.
1: Uh, I say mango.
0: Oh yes. Uh-huh. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor?
1: Vanilla. Mm-hmm.
0: Favorite cupcake?
1: The red velvet cupcake.
0: Mm-hmm. Favorite cereal?
1: Rice Krispies.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, favorite game show? Jeopardy. Yes. Uh, your go-to karaoke song?
1: Um, Ho- uh, Malibu by Hole.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, your go-to emoji when texting?
1: The laughing emoji.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try to laugh at everything. <laughs> that's good. Sense of humor is very important. And um, lastly, boxes or briefs?
1: Boxes lately. Yes.
0: Um, that's all the rapid-fire questions. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, one thing I do actually just want to uh, touch on just a little bit more with... Um, is with with you being uh, you know an out gay director producer um what's something that you would tell what's like some advice that you could give to those who are sort of going through a similar experience as to um they're getting ready to come out or they want to work in entertainment and you know what what advice would you have for them to help navigate that path of coming um, out
1: and I'm gonna quote uh, Sandra Oh actually, cause that's what she said in my documentary. And she was saying that, well, just be yourself because really, you know, the true essence of how you navigate this business and how you create art is what people wanna see. Mm. So really it's just like, you know, you work, I mean, it's funny cause one of my 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 dance teacher, um, I do hip hop by the way, and she, was, and she was saying like, yeah, cause I dance for a long time without being comfortable. Of my, about being comfortable with my body. Mm. So once for 20 years, and she said, once I've learned how to be comfortable with my body, my art has actually improved. So again, like, you know, I think, I think emotionally and intellectually, it's important that you be yourself as an artist, because that's the kind of art that people wants to see.
0: Yes, that's wonderful. That's a great, that's a great quote and great advice to help people. I love that. Now I have to ask, how did you get into hip hop? And I mean, how long have you been doing it?
1: Oh, I've been I've been dancing since. Oh God, I'm old. I'm like fifty. I've been dancing. <laughs> You're not old. <laughs> I was. I started dancing around thirty five, and I was. I had like a. I was surfing for a little bit, then I got into this injury, and um, I got into yoga, and then I thought yoga is too slow. So my friend took me to my first hip hop class with like Shane Sparks or something at Millennium. It was so hard. It's like I had no idea what I was doing. So I thought. there's a really challenging kind of like you know sports uh, Uh activity so i just started hip-hop class from beginning hip-hop when i was 35 and i just kept taking classes for the next uh, 15 years
0: wow and i'm still
1: it's sad because a lot of studios in la closed down because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to learn dancing on zoom so i've I've taken a few i've taken some zoom classes but i just it's just very hard to be engaged so Mm -hmm. i i've I haven't been dancing for, 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 you know, since the studios have closed and wow. and, I, and I look forward to the time where I can go back to in-person dancing. And there were a few classes I went wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, were inside and we were wearing masks dancing. It was, it was hard, but it's still, it was still worth it. it was so yeah.
0: What, what do you get? What do you get from dancing? You know, that maybe you don't get from making
1: movies. Um, well, definitely it's the, it's, it's how I try to keep, keep fit. Uh-huh. First of all, I think dance great. I mean, hip hop, dancing hip hop is great because you get to, you get to learn choreography mm-hmm. and then you learn to, you can learn to move. You can move your, you can move your body at the same time. You learn about what the, what the choreographers choreographed to the most popular, kind of the popular songs, the songs that inspired them. Mm. So I think as a filmmaker, I learned so much as going to class. And it's very humbling to, to learn something that you are so not good at at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and watching people learn is also always moving, always kind of like really touches me because I can see beginners, beginning dancers who come in and they're try to do certain things. And, and that whole process of just being able to watch and learn with a group of people at mm. different levels, it's a very powerful experience. And that's mm. why I love taking dance classes.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful.
1: I'm like the worst dancer
0: in the world. I have two left feet. It's like I have such a hard time. I, I don't know that I could actually bring myself to to take a dance class because I I can never dance to the beat. So I commend you for for well, going. I couldn't
1: either. So I, it's it's like it, it was completely new for me when I started in my thirties. So yeah, I, I, but I think that is a really great exercise. And and one one little video I I saw. On, I think I think it was a New York Times video or a YouTube video. Um, but it was about like a group of like hip-hop grandmas in China and they and it was just so great they were like 80s and they was dancing hip-hop so that wow. really inspired me. So I thought, I, if they could do it I can do it too
0: right right well maybe I'll I'll look into I know you said it's a little hard on on zoom but I'll look for some videos to see
1: I think BDC has uh Broadway Dance Center has oh and, oh, and okay. if I come to New York I would take Classes at BDC actually.
0: Uh huh. Oh wow. They have really
1: great instructions. You can learn voguing. I think last time I was in New York, I took a voguing class. I took a, I took a regular hip hop class. I took like um, a couple of I forgot where what, but it's it was like I always go to BDC. It's it was like the the place I'd go.
0: Yes, it's it's the epicenter of dance for Broadway. <laughs> Well, now, now that you know how to Vogue and hip hop, I mean, when Madonna goes back out on tour, you can audition to be one of her dancers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's very hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, her, yes, her, her choreography is always, especially on tour, it's always, it's always complicated, but, (laughs) but I love it. Well, um, I can't believe this, but we're already at the end of the interview. It goes by so quickly. But um, I always end my interviews playing off of the title of my podcast, "Bearing It All" with "Call Me Adam." So, if you could bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you haven't told previously, what would you share with me today?
1: Well, I just applied for for uh, kindergarten for my son. Oh, <laughs> I haven't told anybody yet, but but uh, I applied. I applied him to. I applied him for a Japanese immersion school and a Korean immersion school. I think Korean Korean immersion was first choice.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So we'll see. Um, he's half Chinese and half Korean. But uh-huh. I'm Chinese, but the egg donor is Korean.
0: Oh, OK. He's
1: so half Korean. And, and in my neighborhood, there were only, like, uh, Korean immersion schools. So I figured he might try that. And I just found out today that there's actually Japanese immersion schools in my neighborhood. So maybe he can try that too.
0: Oh, wow. So we'll see
1: what he, who, which school he gets in.
0: Oh, very exciting. And would this be for the spring?
1: It's fall, uh, 2021 20, or- fall. Oh, okay. 2021 uh-huh. fall, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Great. And do you, um, are you raising him by yourself or you have a partner that you're raising him with?
1: I'm raising him by myself. Wow. At at all moment. It's yes. a lot of work. Yes.
0: Yes, and um, did you. Did you um, uh? So he's what four? Four. He's four now. He's four. turning
1: five. Twenty twenty one.
0: Wow, that's so exciting. Yes, kindergarten. Oh my gosh! How um, uh, I'm just gonna take a few a few more minutes because I'm so fascinated by this. Um, I mean, how has it been to like, to, I mean, work? You know, with all your films and and this the boys love club that you have the document i mean with everything y- you're working on how do you juggle all of that and raising your son
1: uh, it was really difficult so but but he has to go to daycare. that's why for mm-hmm. for a while during the pandemic when when he didn't have daycare um i had to hire a nanny full time mm-hmm. to be able to work um but now mm-hmm. that daycare's opened up so that the nanny only comes part-time
0: Oh, okay. And,
1: but yeah, you know, so, but I'm, I'm expecting to shoot a TV series next year in Canada. So I think I'm going to have to relocate ourselves. Wow. <laughs> to Canada for like three months or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. What but has it, been. It, it, there'll still be before his kinder starts. So uh-huh. I think it'll be good. But once his, school, his kinder starts, it might be a little bit harder. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What has been the greatest reward of fatherhood?
1: You know, it's just seeing a human being grow and start to learn language and speak it's just an amazing experience yeah it's just being able to cuz i never thought that would be like you know but it's it's just really you know an amazing experience you see how this cell grow into like you know a human being
0: mhm mhm you no know? that's so exciting well congratulations thank you very, very happy for you and um I know everybody listening. Um, you can watch. Uh, you can watch, Boiler Club. Um, and so so if you just want to repeat the platforms where they could watch. Asian, Boila. It's called AsianAmericanMovies.com. Okay, and, and they can watch everything, everything that you are making there. Boyla
1: Club, um, Co Misery, Searching for Anime Wongs will start streaming on the twenty seventh of November. Yeah, and then all my all my films from the people I've slept with to drift to shopping for f- shopping for fans. my first feature everything's on there
0: terrific terrific and where can people find you on social media
1: um it's oh right instagram is at gay hollywood dad uh-huh. and then you can find me on facebook through quentin lee
0: terrific terrific well everybody listening follow quentin on social media go stream his films and um Remember here at the Broadway Podcast Network, we have over 70 theater and art related podcasts. So keep listening. Thank you, Adam. You're welcome. Thank you. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's Adam, Adam, the for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite swag.